ladies and gentlemen, if you cop something online and they put you onto a, their subscription service and then don't tell you about it, and then they charge you, <laughs> they need to go to jail. Straight up. In the words of Public Enemies, Chuck D, bring the noise. Fifth End Podcast Network, I'm Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. I swear, man. Like, I, I got the charge of a lifetime, and I was just like, what? <laughs> Immediately, within five minutes, emailed them, cut off the subscription. Bro, it was absolute... Like, like, I, luckily, I got the refund, okay? So, you know fair play to um this company i won't name but fuck man like it i don't get how these places just do that to you and they're just like yeah no reminder or nothing that's the that's the jarring part right that's the jarring part right so you cop something and you may or may not know that you've subscribed to it right sure fine but for this one in particular right it was a three month interval between subscription um you know uh, subscription hits whatever you want to call it right uh, uh you know hit up saying ding dong you know re-up on whatever right so i'm just i i just got that and i was like wait what no warning no nothing like you know fuck amazon right but at least at least they they give you a heads up email at least they give you a heads up email saying like you know subscription coming up in a couple of days at least they do that. But then again, sometimes they don't. So sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. I I got hit, up, hit with it the other week, uh, the other, yeah, the other month. I was just like, wait, what? So I had to cancel the subscription again. I'm just like, bro, this is just, like, this is what they rely on. They rely on you, like, hitting something and then forgetting about it. And, you know, most of the time you do. But fuck, man, I, I just, I was in cold sweats, cold sweats. Just, just as soon as I got that notification from my bank, I was just like, excuse me what like bro it, it fucked me up <laughs> it fucked me up i was just like no this can't be right this got no i need i need the money back <laughs> you can't do this to me right so i'm just oh man i was i was um i was i was i was in hysterics for a good for a good 10 minutes um and for and in and anxious as fuck for like 24 hours um but then they said uh they'll they'll refund so that's fine and cancel the order so um yeah man it's just 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 stay just stay weary of those places man just stay weary just stay just just stay alert on that shit man because sometimes they just hit you with it and like i said three month intervals man you you i forgot about it i forgot about it like you, you you just don't like and you know they they they're not inclined to send you a you know an email saying hey hey do you want to cancel or you know just giving you heads up why would they give you heads up you know what I mean why would they do that um but lucky lucky for me they um they just stroke him refund because they don't have to right they they don't have to there's no law or anything um so yeah so praise up to that but fuck man that's just some un- that's unnecessary stress that is the definition of unnecessary stress. Anyway, apart from that, solid week, and um, yeah, man, we're heading into June. Um, May has just been a, just a, 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 honestly kind of just like 
just gone. Just 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 went. Just came and went really quickly for me. Can't really uh remember much from it. Like it's just um yeah, it's just it's just one of those months. But anyway. Let's jump right into the show. Four matches before we begin. Emot is IG. Oh wait. IG? Mm, maybe not. Maybe not actually. Um yeah, so my fifth element IG got got basically shut off. So remember last week I was just like uh, we'll find out whether whether it's um you know they'll give my account back or lock or just completely kill it. Um, turns out they killed it. Um, you know I I don't really care. I I'm just, I'm just completely apathetic about it all because I appealed. I did you know in some ways want the account back, right? And I, I appealed several times, um, and it didn't give me no notification that it went through or email that they're looking at it. Nothing. Um, so yeah, I just kept appealing. I appealed at least like once a week or something. I was just like, hello, give my account back. Um, you know, so is what it is. Like, you know, that's just one less account on Instagram. Okay. So, so email, Twitter, Discord link, all that, all that, all that <laughs> in the full show notes. Uh, please go give these articles a read. You can read for yourself and support the writers to make this show possible. And with that said, let the beat drop and let's get into the show. In a week where Vangelis, is that how you say his name? Uh, composer of Chariots of Fire and Blade Runner soundtracks, dies age 79. Cases of monkeypox appear in the UK. Australia's Labour Party wins the national election, or the federal election as, uh, as it should be called. Uh, the UK's first national civil rights organisation for black people has been launched. The BEO, the Black Equity Organisation. I wanted to read up on that um, for the show, but um, I already had like the docket sorted. So uh, maybe maybe next week or some or some point, you never know. We'll... We'll put much likely talk about it at some point. And lastly, the Sue Gray report is finally released. And I can't wait to watch the news tonight. I'm recording on a Wednesday. Can't wait to watch the news tonight and watch nothing happen. Just watch apologies and I've been humbled and yada yada yada. And nothing nothing constituting change. No no inch of movement. No, nobody resigning, nothing happening, because what's the point anymore? Politics is just that now. It's just um, they do what the fuck they want, and we just take it. We just sit there and take it. But let's begin with um, some history. So, in some ways, a bit of a segue. Um, but, well, yeah, it is kind of a bit of a segue, because um, British, uh, the British higher-ups, the British powers at B, um, have historically done the exact same thing. Um, done what the fuck they want. Um, don't care who gets stomped on the way towards their goal, and uh, may or may not apologise for it later. And if and even if they do, produce no significant change to help anybody but themselves. Um, so this is an article I found a few a few weeks ago, 14th of May. So um, this is by Jason Burke via the Guardian. It's called "Secret British uh, Black Propaganda Campaign Targeted Cold War Enemies." So I just um, I just found it an interesting history lesson. So. Um, and I mean, I've, uh, you know, I'm a big proponent of education and diversity of education in this country. And um, here's, here's, here's a little bit for you. I'm putting I'm putting the I'm putting the time where my mouth is on that front. So, um, yeah, let's just jump right in. The British government ran a secret, quote unquote, black propaganda campaign for decades, targeting Africa, the Middle East and parts of Asia with leaflets and reports from fake sources aimed at destabilizing Cold War enemies by encouraging racial tensions, sowing chaos, inciting violence and reinforcing anti-communist ideas 
newly declassified documents have revealed. The effort ran from the mid-50s through to the late 70s by a unit in London uh, that was part of the Foreign Office, was focused on Cold War enemies such as the Soviet Union and China, left-wing liberation groups and leaders that the UK saw as threats to its interests. The campaign also sought to mobilise Muslims against Moscow, promoting greater religious conservatism uh, and radical ideas. To appear authentic, documents encouraged hatred of Israel. Okay. Uh, Recently declassified British government documents reveal hundreds of extensive and costly operations. Quote, these releases are among the most important of the past two decades. It's very clear now that the UK engaged in more black propaganda than historians assume, and these efforts were more systemic, ambitious, and offensive. Despite official denials, this went far beyond merely exposing Soviet disinformation, said Rory Cormack, an expert in the history of subversion intelligence, who found the material when researching his new book, How to Stage a Coup, and 10 Other Lessons from the World of Secret Statecraft, to be published next month. So it might be publishing in the, in the week, who knows? Um, maybe this is details of the bomb. Uh, the Information Research Department, the IRD, uh, was set up by a post-Second World War Labour government to counter uh, Soviet propaganda attacks on Britain. Uh, the acti- its activities mirrored the CIA's Cold War propaganda operations and the extensive efforts of the USSR and its satellites. The Observer last year revealed the, uh, revealed the IRD's uh, major campaign in Indonesia uh, uh, in 1965 that helped encourage anti-communist massacres. Oh, good. Nothing like a good anti-communist massacre, uh, which left hundreds of thousands dead. Um, their IRD uh, prepared pamphlets purporting to be written by Indonesian patriots, but in fact were created by British propagandists, calling on Indonesians to eliminate the PKI, then the biggest communist party in the non-communist world. But the thousands of declassified documents studied by Cormac give by far the most extensive insight yet into the IRD's disinformation operations. Quote, the British were only one actor among many, and fairly minor actor too, compared with the quantity of material being produced and disseminated uh, by bigger players, uh, said Cormac, Professor of International Relations at Nottingham University. Cushy job right there, sounds like. Um, the UK did not simply invent material, as the Soviets systematically did, but they definitely intended to de- uh, deceive audiences in order to get the message across, unquote. So even in saying that, I'm just like, Okay, so why are you softening it? You know what I mean, just, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's just like, they simply did not invent... They didn't do, you know, what the Soviets did, but, you know, they definitely intended to deceive audiences. Yeah, they they attended, they successfully did it, and 100,000 people died in Indonesia because of it. I don't know why that quote's like, I don't know, comes off as... I don't know, just... Why, why are you trying to soften the blow here? You know what I mean? It's just a bit weird. The IRD employed 360 people at its height in the mid-60s. However, its highly secretive special editorial unit responsible for the black propaganda effort was much smaller. From its base in a nondescript office in Westminster, the unit used a variety of tactics to manipulate opinion. One was to produce reports sent to warn other governments, selected journalists and think tanks about Soviet subversion or similar threats. The report compromise, uh, comprised carefully selected facts and analysis often gleaned from intelligence provided by Britain's security services, but appeared to come uh, to come from ostensibly independent analysts and institutions that were in reality set up and run by the IRD. One of the, uh, one of the first of these, set up in 64, was the International Committee for the Investigation of Communist Front Organisations. No acronym that one for, for that one, because fuck, what's the point? I-C-I-C-F-O? I-C-I-C-F-O? <laughs> 
maybe that is maybe that should be an acronym it's kind of fun to say ICICFO uh, another tactic was to forge uh, statements by official Soviet institutions and agencies between 65 and 72 the IRD forged at least 11 statements from Nos- Nov- Novos- Novosti uh, the Soviet state run news agency one followed Egypt's defeat in the 1967 six day war against Israel and underlined Soviet anger at Egypt's waste of so much of the arms and material Moscow had supplied to the country the IRD also forged literature purporting to come from the Muslim Brotherhood, a mass Islamist organization, uh, organization that had significant following across the Middle East. One pamphlet accused Moscow of encouraging the 1967 war, criticizing the quality of Soviet military equipment and called Soviets filthy-tongued atheists, who saw the Egyptians as little more than, quote, peasants who lived all their lives nursing reactionary Islamic superstitions, unquote. The IRD also created an entirely fictive uh, radical Islamist organization called the League of Believers. <laughs> Even that sounds us like League of Believers. That just that just sounds that, that just sounds whack. Who um, which uh, attacked the Russians as non-believers and blamed Arab def- uh, defeats on a lack of religious faith, a uh, standard trope among religious conservatives at the time. Quote: Why is the Arab nation at this time afflicted by so much sorrow and disaster? Why were the brave forces defeated in the jihad by the evil heathen Zionists? Dot, dot, dot. The answers are easily to be found. Dot, dot, dot. We are departing fast from the right path. We are following the cho- uh, course chosen for us by the communist atheists for whom religion is a form of social disease, it read. Such claims became increasingly widespread in Egypt in the ensuing years as the resurgence of religion uh, swept key strategic state. Swept the key uh, strategic state. <laughs> Nor was the IRD above encouraging opposition to Israel, if it made its forgeries more convincing, Cormac told the Observer. A statement released by the IRD in February 1967 also purported to come from the Muslim Brotherhood and attacked Egypt for the uh, for using chemical weapons in its battle against coalition of religious conservatives and tribes in Yemen, backed by Britain and Saudi Arabia. The IRD's leaflets echoed other claims made by radical Islamists. Uh, Islamists uh, arguing that military misdeeds should not be blamed on the on the, quote the atheists or the imperialists or the Zionist Jews, but on another quote Egyptians who are supposed to be believers unquote. Oh, another quote: In these Egyptian murderers have gone too far in their hypocrisy are punished, uh, but they can no longer pretend to be believers in God and His prophet and in His sacred book. And leaflet read asking if the Egyptians have to go to war and fight, why don't they direct their armies against the Jews unquote. See, uh, see. Obviously, this is something that can't happen now. Like, it, I mean, um, maybe, maybe it can, but just in a different, in a different, you know, um, what's the word? In a different mask, right? In a different found on a different foundation. Because obviously, this is you know pamphlets and leaflets. Like, you know, it just sound. It just comes off as like you know, in in my twenty first century brain, I'm just like, you guys fell for this, did you? Really? Like, you know, because. I, 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 the only leaflets I get in my, um, in my, through, through my letterbox is, um, whenever there's an election on. And, you know, I see, you know, the Labour leaflet, the Conservative leaflet, a couple of nut job, right wing nut job leaflets, right? You know, you get those. And, uh, you know, if it's a local election, maybe an independent, right? So, you know, you get a good, you get a good variety, right? And, you know, in some way, that's what's good about British democracy in that fashion, because you do get a variety, right? You get the nut jobs, you get the, you know, you get the snakes, you get the, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, 
Are there any good people in politics? Who knows? But anyway, um, maybe local politics, but, you know, nationally, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, what, I, I see that and I'm just like, you know, I see a leaflet. I don't see it as, yeah, let's 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 take this information to heart and start war against Israel. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know how a leaflet can, um, can uh, what's the word? Uh, can can and can rile up so many people. Stop a leaflet. And don't you ask like who's giving this to you? Like, what did we? You know, did the Muslim Brotherhood ever like just see one of these going around? Just like, wait, who authorized this? None of us authorized this. Like, this is obviously bollocks. But anyway, who knows? It's uh, not an extensive article on this part on that front, obviously. <clears throat> Continue. Cormac said that as with much of the IRD's output, the claims were made. Uh, claims made were factually accurate. There you go. Right. Oh, there you go. <clears throat> it's one of those things where you see a fact and they're just they're just twisted a little bit. You know what I mean? A lot of politicians do that with such ease. They just they just do it. If it fits their own ends, they just immediately do it. They they don't even think twice about it. So. <clears throat> There's always something that needs to be, that needs to be, every fact needs to be seen with context, you know what I mean? Um, especially in politics, but obviously that, that just takes way too much time. You can't, you can't put that on the news. You can't say, okay, let's look at all these facts and break them down for five minutes. You know what I mean? It's just, it's not, it's not, you know, quite unquote good television. No, it's probably very informative, but it's not good television. It's not, stops, you know, shit dead. Anyway. Uh, factually correct, uh, factually accurate, but the tone and fake source were designed to mislead. The leaflets about Yemen aimed to put pressure on the Egyptian leadership to accept a ceasefire. Other material highlighted the poor view that Moscow took uh, of the Palestinian Liberation Organization and the limited aid offered by the Soviets to Palestinian armed nationalist groups. This was contrasted with the more supportive stance of the Chinese in a bid to widen the split between two communist powers. One major initiative focused on undermining Ian Smith's regime in Rhodesia and a former colony that unilaterally declared its independence from the UK in 1965 in an attempt to maintain white minority rule. The IRD set up a fake group of white Rhodesians who opposed Smith. Its leaflets attacked him for lying, creating chaos and crippling the economy. Quote, the whole world is against us, dot, dot, dot. We must call a halt while we can still save our country, one said. Uh, attempts to isolate African nationalists sometimes involved incitement of racial tension. In 1963, uh, the IRD forged a statement from the World Federation of Democratic Youth, a Soviet front organization, which denounced Africa's uncivilized, uh, quote-unquote, primitive and morally weak. The forgery received press coverage across the continent, with many newspapers reacting imperatively. Uh, oh, wait, imperatively? Intem in intemperately. There you go. I've read that wrong. A similar forgery in 1966 uh, underlined the backwardness and political immaturity of Africa. Another, uh, another a statement purportedly uh, from Novosti uh, blamed poor academic results at an international university in Moscow on the quality of black African students enrolled there. The IRD sent more than a thousand copies to addresses across the developing world. Cormac said there is little uh, doubt that senior British policymakers knew about the IRD's work. In 64, the Conservative Prime Minister Alex, Alec Douglas Home told the IRD to target Ghana over a fear that his mercurial president Kwame Nkrumah uh, was tilting towards Moscow. Months later, the new Labour Foreign Secretary Patrick Gordon Walker encouraged the Foreign Office to maintain a, quote, black propaganda potential and from time to time produce black material, unquote. Uh, Walker was particularly interested in fomenting, fomenting, fomenting uh, racial tensions between Africans and Chinese. 
Well, that didn't work in a long time, did it? Um, as with most uh, such efforts, the impact of the IRD's campaigns was often difficult to judge. On one occasion, uh, the officials were able to report that a newspaper in Zanzibar printed uh, one of their forgeries about Soviet racism, and then the publication prompted an angry response. This was seen as a major achievement. Officials were also pleased when Kenyan press used fake material about the 1967 Six-Day War. How do you have a Six-Day War, anyway? Uh, and when newspapers across much of the uh, Islamic world printed a fake Novosti bulletin on the conflict. Occasionally, Western newspapers unwittingly used IRD materials, too. Uh, though the IRD was shut down in 77, researchers are now finding evidence that similar efforts continue for almost another decade. Quote, the new documents are particularly significant as a precursor to more modern efforts of putting intelligence into public domain. Uh, Liz Trust has a government information cell and defense intelligence send out uh, daily tweets to pre-butt uh, Russian plots again uh, and gain the upper hand in the information war. Uh, but for much of the Cold War, uh, the UK used far more devious means, Cormac said. You know what this all tells me? That this shit con- constantly goes on. Like it, it has to, right? It just this constant information war, like from 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 probably like I don't know the late eighteen hundreds onwards. Just constantly information war, information war, information war. Just that's all people are talking about. That's all the that's all they do. Um, that's all just you know that some people careers in in the you know in the government or system just constantly do. It's just like yeah, produce misinformation for this. Um, you know, break up this um cell of um you know radical people. Whatever. Da, 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 da. It's crazy. It's just con- it just constantly goes on and on and on and on. I don't you know regardless if it f- fucking caved in seventy seven. You know they said it went on for another decade. And Liz Truss has her own squad. Like, she has her own squad. And that just fucking amazes me to think about. Just Liz Truss, like, being the mastermind of something. Doesn't... It just doesn't vibe. <laughs> it, it, it... It simply... It simply doesn't vibe with it at all. Uh, at all. It just simply doesn't vibe. Um, but fuck. Yeah, man. The information war constantly goes on. And that's why people on the... In- when we're on the internet, we need to be more literate. We need to clock shit more. Um, we we honestly, uh, I think we need to do what Finland does. They teach kids misinformation, how to clock fake news, how to clock disinformation, misinformation, how to just be literate in all of that, and just clocking shit. Um, I I can't clock. I don't think I can. If you if you gave me a genuine test like built to, you know, what is misinformation, what's disinformation, how to clock fake news, I I'd probably fail. Um, and I feel like I'm very, you know, relatively literate, but I don't, I think I'd fail. I probably would. Um, so yeah, fuck. Like, it's just, even, even if someone puts up a tweet, right? I saw this, I saw this, um, uh, the other day. I was like, I saw a tweet and I agree with the tweet. I was like, you know, that's fire. Let me retweet that. Then I went on the tweet and then, uh, like literally the next tweet afterwards was basically just, um, you know, this, this isn't, um, I don't know if, it, if I class this fake news, but um, I forget what it was. But it was, it was, it was, it kind of just made me want to just undo the retweet. I was just like, oh, okay, because you know that's that's just how Twitter works. I mean, that's just how you see it in the UI. You see the popular tweet, you see it popping off, but then you don't see. The, but then you know you don't think about seeing the tweet after it, or seeing if there's another tweet after it. Maybe there's a thread after it. Who knows? Um, but shit it's it's just one of those things man just even small shit like that you have to you know be wary of you really do so um yeah man just uh do do your education on that front man because it is because clearly clearly the the powers that be 
are still doing that shit and just constantly, just constantly battling each other in the war for information. Now in probably one of the worst segues I've ever done on this <laughs> on this show and you know I feel like I, I try and you know get some some you know form of just even if it's terms of like tone or you know just uh yeah just you know it doesn't have to be um close to the subjects they don't have to be close to subjects but you know at least close in tone but I don't know maybe this is right because I'm just seeing uh I, I'm just seeing a lot of um uh, pop culture just turned into mush and that's literally what it says in this title and I was thinking that before but I saw this and I was just like damn this is this is facts um so this is a commentary by Zach Zwien, Zwizen, um amazing name um uh, via Kotaku um it's called all pop culture is merging into mush and the iron giant is the latest casualty so if you didn't see, um, they'll probably explain. Yeah, literally just explain the start. So I might as well just read the tick. <laughs> Let's jump right. Uh, WB Games, Warner Brothers obviously, recently released a new trailer for its upcoming Smash-like fighter multiverses. In it, characters like Harley Quinn, Bucks Bunny, and Shaggy fight each other for super uh, before uh, fight each other for Superman and the Iron Giant show up at the end. While some enjoy the trailer, other viewers are disappointed to see the Iron Giant, a massive robot who famously chooses a path of non-violence in his film, again used by WB as a generic warlike robot, completely contradicting his established character. In the iconic uh, reboot, uh, robot, sorry, uh, robot first appeared on screen in the classic and fantastic 1999 animated film The Iron Giant, an adaptation of the po- British poet laureate Ted Hughes's novel The Iron Man. In the film, the giant is a robot from outer space, built for war and destruction, that crashes on Earth and is discovered by a young boy. The kid helps, te- uh, the kid helps teach the uh, robot about life and death, and insp- inspires uh, it to be... Excuse me. Uh, inspires it to be... Where is it? Because uh, <laughs> like, literally, I had a video, and it was like pasted on top, and then just disappeared and fucked my whole thing up. Anyway... Uh, here we go. It finds it to be more than what he was designed to be. Eventually, and uh, spoilers here for a 1999 animated film, the Iron Giant sacrifices himself to save the kid and his whole town from a nuclear weapon. The entire premise of the film is that the Iron Giant is more than just a gun. Uh, as director Brad Bird famously pitched to WB, the movie really is what if a gun had a soul and didn't want to be a gun. The Iron Giant has moments in the film where it acts violently or destructively, but these are always treated as mistakes that the giant needs to grow beyond. The Iron Giant might technically be a super weapon, but he is not a killer. He chooses to be more than a gun, and he saves the day by not fighting a big battle, but by heroically and non-violently sacrificing himself for the greater good. So having him appear in the multiverses, a game about characters being the shit out of each other, even if presented in a comical and cartoony tone, feels wrong to those who grew up with the film. But even worse than making the Iron Giant fight people, it, this is just another example of how all pop, of how all of pop culture, all past films, TV shows, and characters are slow, being slowly merged together into a giant grey mush that some call the multiverse. But I find really boring and sad. Multiverses, uh, Warner Brothers' upcoming free-to-play uh, multiplayer fighting game, heavily inspired by Smash Brothers. Uh, is a typical example of this trend. And like Nintendo Smash, this this free-to-play brawler will contain a large library of characters from different franchises and properties. 
But all the characters of multiverses are directly ripped from the large corporate library of WB parent corporation, Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, included in this giant collection of classic TV shows, movies, games, and the like, is the beloved 99 film, anima- uh, 1999 an- animated film, The Iron Giant. And because WB owns that character, it can toss in <laughs> into a giant blender alongside Bugs Bunny and Batman to create a fine game that only highlights how few companies own so much of our pop culture. To be clear, I'm not angry or offended that the Iron Giant is in this game. I do think it's dumb, and I think the moment in the trailer calling back to the Giant's heart-rending sacrifice at the end of the movie is cheap and shitty. I also hate the idea of the character being uh, shoved into a game to earn a few more nostalgia points, regardless of if it runs in direct opposition to the themes of the beloved robots film, which has brought about a powerful weapon deciding not to fight to change, to rise above the circumstances of their creation. Sure, I'd love it if Warner Brothers could stop using the Iron Giant as a cool action robot like he was in the already forgotten film Ready Player One, uh, brackets, that movie that predicted the future where humanity stops creating new art and just plays with all stuff in one giant metaverse, which seems to be pretty prophetic now, ha, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. But the real problem is that a single company like WB Discovery can and does own so much of pop culture. Between Disney, WB, and Universal, a large, va- large and vast swath, I love that word, swath, of uh, classic film, TV, uh, movies, books, and all other media are all owned and controlled by a few boardrooms. And this phenomenon will only grow more pronounced as large corporate mergers and buyouts continue to proliferate. This is a bad situation for people who want original stories or unique experiences. Instead, Companies like Epic, Crafton, and other company and others continue to push towards a Ready Player One-like metaverse. In that future, all of our favorite characters and stories are mashed together into a grey goo of nostalgic comfort. And now more than ever, these ma- mega mass media conglomerates own more shit and seem more wi- more than willing to play ball. As a result, it's become more easier. Uh, it's become easier than ever for other companies and publishers to license characters or make deals since only a handful of companies seemingly own it all in 2022. No longer do Epic or other devs need to knock on 40 doors to track down rights to famous heroes, and far fewer original creators of these characters and worlds have a say in how their creations are used. Instead, companies looking to cash in on crossovers can now easily unlock a treasure trove of internationally recognized cartoon villains or video game stars in one fell swoop. And of course, the handful of companies that now uh, that now own all that valuable IP can now go and spend some of their millions on competing metaverse projects and crossovers. They're all dying to be a part of that growing trend of mashing everything together like kids playing with toys in a sandbox. All of this is why in 2022, every battle royale and free-to-play online game under the sun is crossing over with anything even remotely popular. Godzilla and Call of Duty? Sure. Evangelion and PUBG? Why not? Slipknot in Smite, uh, okay, whatever. Ryu in Fortnite, fine, hell. Disney has published at least uh, three separate mobile games in the last few years that revolve around mixing together with various characters' IP. It's becoming harder to find games, that, uh, big games, that are simply themselves and have zero crossover IP or special cameo characters or costumes. Look, I don't mind a few companies having fun with some of their characters, but when everything is merging into everything else, it becomes tiring and sad. I mean, did PUBG Mobile really need a Baby Shark event? I st- did they? <laughs> I mean, I had PUBG for a couple of uh, for a couple of months um, at one point, and um, man, so many crossover shit and just shit I don't care about. Like all, I mean, all of it you need to cop anyway, right? You need to buy all that shit, right? There's there's one I saw 
where they had like a, a thingy with an Lamborghini. I'm just like, okay, cool. I'm not gonna buy it, but sure, each their own. And you don't have the you don't have the option to buy it, but you're constantly pumped in it. As soon uh, pu- uh, you know, just pumped with ads about it, like just in-game ads. Like every time you every time you hop on a hop on the game, right before you even play a game of the actual game, right? What you're there for, you know, to play PUBG, right? You get at least like three ads just. Banners, just banners right in your face of just like Lamborghini event, this event, this event, anniversary event. I'm just like, bro, fuck off. Like, leave me alone, fuck. And they all do it, and they all do it. And it's just, it's just silly. It's just silly. Just stop advertising shit to me. I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't want to cop baby shark shit. I just don't. Who, I, I don't. I, you know, fair if you do, but I just don't. I don't care about that metaverse crap. I really don't. I, you know, if if I, if I get gifted a skin for something sure go for it i'll I'll grind for a skin right because you know it's playing the game right i'll grind for it but i'm not copying skins i don't care i don't care what i look like on that front i don't see i don't see a skin i'm just like i need that skin come hell or high water and instead of grinding for it i'm gonna pay 20 quid for it no not gonna happen not gonna happen no way in hell no fucking way just ain't happening just not happening anyway let's finish this up (laughs) Uh, I start to worry that uh, more Blythe characters like the Iron Giant will end up as nothing more than roster fillers in future crossover events and games. Sure, a few cameos are fun, but eventually this goes too far if it hasn't already, and we end up in a world where there are four like where are the, there are like four games, two TV shows, and five movie franchises all made up of everything split into a few multiverses owned and controlled by mega corps. That just seems so boring. I really don't want to live in a world where all media is just the ultimate showdown of ultimate destiny made real. And yeah, I, I, you know, I kind of, I kind of got ahead of myself, but I agree with all that. I agree with it. Um, I'm just, I, you know, Smash, Smash. I love me, I love Smash Ultimate. I really do. It's probably my favorite game, right? Um, at the moment, um, it's the, it's the only game I play at a semi-regular basis, right? Um, I just enjoy it. It's a fun game. Um, and I play with my boy, and um, you know, he's and you know, we're we're both you know kind of equally matched, so it's always fun. Just like you know, just um you know, grinding with each other in some ways and just, like, helping each other get better in some way, but there's also that's just a real good competitive fire between us, right? It's enjoyable to play. And I don't mind it, right? I like the additions they have made, right? You know, the the, well, the recent ones, like, you know, Steve from Minecraft, and Sora from Kingdom Hearts, right? It's it's all fire. It's cool. It's, 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 it's gravy, right? Um, and, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't cop it. I didn't cop them. You'd have to. They are DLCs, right? Um, and, uh, you know, DLCs, microtransactions, I feel like they're different things, right? Um, maybe. I made all, I said all that about PUBG, but is that, this, is that the same? Is that, is, is me buying, is me buying, you know, Banjo and Kazooie um, just to play as them? Um, is that the same as um, copying the skin? Or, uh, or, or, you know, copying whatever PUBG Lamborghini shit was, what it was. Like, I don't know, I literally don't know what it was. I saw it, I saw Lamborghini, and I generally didn't even know what it was about. I don't know if they, they were sending skins, or, like, you can ride Lamborghinis in the game. I don't know what it was. I'd never actually bothered to have a look. Funny how that works, isn't it? Funny how you just glaze over advertising. Um, hinting back to last episode about ads, funny enough. Um, but yeah, man, I just... I, it's a, I, this is why, even with that, you know what I mean? Like, you know, buying Banjo and Kazooie or Sora, it's just like, eh, eh, I guess so. Like, eh, I don't know. 
I'm, maybe I'm too maybe I'm too bit of a too much of a luddite on that front um, pertaining to games um, because obviously you know I grew up in like you know PS2 era, Game Boy Advance. Uh, I've got Game Boy Advance SP, PS1s, right? That's all I had, right? Um, you know, last last console I had personally was an Xbox 360. My sisters had an Xbox One, so I played that a couple of times. But you know, so so I don't really you know play on it that often. But yeah, man, it's just weird. It's just, it's just weird. The whole thing's weird, and um, you know, overall, I'm just like. You know, if it makes sense in some ways, like, you know, uh, even even seeing Shaggy fight is a bit weird. I was just like, oh, why is he going Super Saiyan? I just... Yeah, it, it's... None of that shit vibes for me, man. It just really... So you definitely didn't hear my inflection uh, in the previous segment where I said like one time, but <laughs> there's a reason I did um, to myself. Uh, you, you definitely didn't clock it, but um, it'll make sense now because I'm um, I'm about to talk about the word like. Um, so I found this article, and it just it just it's just one of those things that fascinates me because you know speech, phonetics, all that stuff, right? It fascinates me, and I do wonder why we, you know, us in the Western world anyway. I don't know if they say like in you know. Africa or you know in uh, you know Southeast Asia or something like that do they say like all the time probably not um but I just saw this article and it was, fun, and it was interesting this is by Sam Wolfson uh via the Guardian and it's called uh why do people say why do people like say like so much uh god and I, I, I know I do I know I do probably more than I more than I notice and I don't like doing it but uh, you know, just, you, sometimes you're conversating and you're just saying it. I listened to a podcast a while back from from uh, 2020, and um, I was saying it so many times. I was, I was just like, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. I don't know if I've like, there you go, did it, did it right? Did see right there? Subconsciously, just did it. Didn't I was I, I was literally about to say I try not to do it, but then I just did it. I literally just. <laughs> Ah, oh, fuck, you can't escape it. It's absolutely crazy. Anyway, let's jump right in. I listened to BBC Radio 1, where they are interviewing a 26-year-old actor and singer Dove Cameron about her globally successful hit boyfriend. The DJ, Melvin O'Doom, asks her, do you think that your acting career has helped you with kind of like your music career? For me, they're like the same energy, replies Cameron, which is like when people are like, you have to choose, I'm like, they feel the same. Oh, this is this is searing my soul. Uh, <laughs> having to read all this actually verbatim uh, this is it's the most predictable celebrity interview exchange ever uttered remarkable for only one word that repeats and repeats quote it's a really funny one says Fiona Hanlon who has worked at the station for more than 10 years including producing Nick Grimshaw's breakfast show and Maya Jammer's weekend show if a guest says like too much we get texts from listeners if a DJ says it too much sometimes a boss might pop in and mention it it's just seen as a bit lazy a bit dumb I was always very aware of it why do people have such a problem with like? Is it because it, it simply won't go away? In 1992, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a robust defence of the word and the way it carries a rich emotional nuance, responding to what had already been a decade of criticism. This did nothing to settle the debate. Linguists, uh, uh, the fact it's been argued, uh, been argued about since 1992 is crazy to me. Uh, linguists agree that usage of the word has increased every year since then, to the point where in one five-minute exchange on Love Island in 2017... 
The word was uttered 76 times once every four seconds. Ugh. You know what? You know what? You know what? That's genuine torture. If you want to torture me, play that to me. Play, play it. Just, just play it and loop it. I would, I would tell you whatever. Tell, I'll, I'll give you the secrets. I'll, I will give you the secrets to the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, I will do it. I will, I will tell you any secret. Don't care. Whatever you want. Whatever you want to tell. Whatever you want me to tell you, I will tell you it. Um, by the time I was at secondary school in the early 2000s, like was just a natural part of speech. Transcribing the interviews I did for this piece, I say it constantly. When I do, I find it a friendly crutch, signaling to this uh, per- to the person I'm talking uh, talking to that we're having a, co- a spontaneous and unrehearsed conversation. That I'm listening, excuse me, and thinking. But despite its long history and widespread use, for many it remains enraging. Politicians, educators, and business leaders have complained it makes speakers ra- sound stupid. When Michael Gove was Education Secretary in 2014, oh, how are the memories? Um, he used an update to he he used an update to the national curriculum to require students to speak in standard English. That's hilarious. Even in informal settings in all British schools, this reinforced the idea that there was only one right way to uh, to speak English. By 2019, one primary school head head in Bradford, uh, Christabel Shepherd, uh, said she banned the word because quote when children are giving you an answer and they say is it like when you're like. They haven't actually made a sentence at all. They use the word all the time, and we are trying to get rid of it. Nick Gibb, then schools minister, praised the decision and said others should follow suit. Schools of recruitment specialists and public speaking coaches have publicly bemoaned the uh, words rise and say those who use it uh, prevent themselves from getting opportunities. Uh, One law firm in America sent a memo to uh, justice female employees and told them learn hard words and stop saying like. Uh, Peter Mertens, an associate at PR firm Burson, Cone and Wolf. I love I love like firms like law firms, PR firms. They're just surnames like Pearson, Specter, Lit. It's just ah oh, fuck's sake. I'll just give it a rest. And then also there's there was there was like either like I did it again. There there was either um just fucking just. The, the the geekiest names or basic ass names. It's never it's never like anything. There you go, did it again. Like, see, see, you just you just instinctively do it. Anyway, let's continue. There is nothing that will quote. There is nothing that will lead you to being dismissed more quickly than a few too many likes during a meeting or on a call. There's even an app like so recommended by businesses which listens to your speech and promises it can stop using the word. Maybe I'll look that up. Who knows? In the UK, this chorus is made louder by a group of mostly old and white celebrities and spectator columnists who crusade against its use. In 2010, Emma Thompson complained to the Radio Times that she went to give a talk in my old school and the girls were all doing their likes in Innits. Oh, no, you ain't coming for Innit. No, no, you are not coming for Innit. I might, I might personally not want to say like as much as I probably do, um, but f- fuck, you're, you're not taking away Innit. You are not taking away my Innit. I, I love my in it. Don't, don't don't take away my in it. Don't don't tread on my in it. Which drives me insane. I told them just don't do it because it makes you sound stupid. Giles Brandreth. Oh good. Here we go. Uh, writing in the oldie. Uh, where else? Uh, complaint. Is, 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 sorry. Is there a magazine called Oldie? Is, am I am I learning something new here? Let me look that up. Oh, I I need to. I'm sorry to just derail this whole thing. But what the fuck is Oldie? It it, it can't be a you know just a 
It can't be a magazine or something. Okay, I'm just getting the defiance oldie. Um, complained that like was the lazy and linguistic filler of our times and very, very irritating. Oh, sorry, Charles. Apologies. You know, you talking for 12 hours, you know, that's fine. But, you know, saying like, can't do that. Uh, why is it so detested? Quote, well, humans have an in- innate uh, tendency to judge. People who are very liberal uh, in other aspects of things, who would never judge someone based on their race or sexual orientation or whatever, still have this thing about language. It says Carmen Fort. Her literal name is Carmen F O U G H T. Carmen Fort forever. Carmen Fort with her life. <laughs> Professor of lingu- list, uh, linguistics at Pizza College. Another quote They want to freeze it and they want to judge it. I absolutely guarantee that in Shakespearean time, there was some schoolmaster walking around saying, don't say soothe, portia. That sounds too t- uh, so tacky. Say forsooth, unquote. There's, a, there's certainly an element of sexism here. And the attractors of likes says, uh, saying it makes you sound girlish and stupid, arguing that this is a newish tick said mostly by women. And that is a meaningless filler, a word that doesn't add anything to a sentence's meaning. But they are, in fact, wrong on every count. The first point is that like isn't just a filler word. It's actually an incredibly versatile and dynamic word. Linguistic Alexandra Darcy, uh, who I always when I see a Darcy, I just don't know how to say it. I I just say Darcy just to get away from it, but um, just to get past it. But D apostrophe Darcy is just it's crazy to me. Like Darcy, um, <laughs> who wrote a book on the word, outlined its many uses. There uh, there are its traditional uses as a verb. I like the smell of what's cooking. And a preposition, this tastes like it was made in a restaurant. Preposition, like, is the best like. There's, oh, it just, it just, there's so many, there's so many jokes you can make with it. This, this, this sounds like, da 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 da. This sounds like ghost fucking. Just, just crazy, just crazy shit. Always say crazy shit uh, with prepositions. It's the best. And then there are ones... Uh, that the subject of scorn. Uh, the first of these is the quotative, uh, like he cooked a spag bowl for me last night. I was like, that's delicious. It allows you to tell a story without promising complete accuracy. Indeed, uh, one of the most enjoyable things about this kind of like is that you can tell an anecdote that makes you sound uh, wittier and more erudite uh, than you actually are because you are not promising exactly what was said, but the feeling of what was said. The other hand, hated the other hated likes are as a discourse marker. What did I do last night? Like, uh, had dinner hung out. An adverb to mean approximately. Uh, it was super quick to cook, like 30 minutes. And what's known as a discourse particle, which goes in the middle of a phrase rather than near the end of it. This dinner is the, is like the best I've ever eaten. Uh, but there are more uses than that. For example, the Geordie tradition of finishing sentences with like, he cooked dinner for me like... Uh, is that Geordie? I don't know if I'm like, oh, God, do Geordie. And increasingly, like is also uh, is also used as a noun because of Facebook and Instagram. I gave it a like. Uh, many of these uses often overlap in a way that is incredibly rich. If you say he was like seething uh, about the pasta sauce, uh, you are quoting someone's reaction, but at the same time highlighting you are approximating their response while pausing to highlight that you are thinking meaningfully about this reaction in real time. That one word is all those jobs. All, while, all the while creating a sense of familiarity between you and the person you're talking to. The word's incredible flexibility is nothing new either. Most people think the word like dates back to the 80s, as typified by the Frank Zappa song Valley Girl, in which his daughter Moon Zappa, in, of course, of course, that's still, isn't it? Uh, 
if you have a name Zappa, you're just you're just gonna be creative with it, aren't you? Moon Zappa, why not? That's just that's just comedy. Impersonates a California bimbo, ad libbing that I like got love going into like clothing stores and stuff. I like buy the neatest mini skirts and stuff. It's like so bitching. But uh, sorry if I didn't, you know, get the actual, you know, inflection on it. But you know, I'm good. Uh, but it goes much further back in the Shakespeare in Shakespeare's Twelfth Night, written at the start of 17th century. Valentine says to Cesario, "If the Duke continues these favors toward you, Cesario, you are like to be much advanced." Uh, the linguist uh, Antoni Lieberman uh, says this version of "like" was being used as a shorthand for "likely" and may be the beginnings of our contemporary usage. See, blame Shakespeare. Blame fucking Shakespeare. There you go. Anything, any, any linguistic thing that you don't like, blame Shakespeare. All these, all these posh fuckers are basically shitting on Shakespeare. How dare you? How dare you? Uh, consider. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm cool when Sim says I'm Shakespeare on a bad day. Jay Z on my worst days. Oh wait, I'm Jay Z on a bad day. Shakespeare on my worst days. There you go. Absolute bar. Uh, consider the following. He writes. All these three be like went together. Uh, some, that's from 1741. Uh, take away uh, B and you will get a charming modern sentence. Uh, all these, like, all these... I'm saying that in, like, quote. Uh, all these three, like, went together. Be like meant in all likelihood. Jesus Christ, what a paragraph that was. That was a meal. It's easy to imagine how this use of like could transform into like being used more generally as a way to break up speech. Perhaps it was aided by the Irish, Liverpudlian and Geordie use of the word uh, to mean roughly or thereabouts. Um, by the, or by the beat poets of 1950s who would often start the sentence with like. Interestingly, fewer people now complain that these more masculine uses sound stupid defi- uh, despite the fact they could also be, just used, uh, also be described as filler words. It's true that young women in uh, the 1980s probably invented the quotative like but they are far from the only group to use it now. And research suggests that the discourse particle like, the one that comes in like the midpoint of a sentence, is, I love this, is used more by men than women. But the biggest lie about like is uh, stupid. It adds nothing to the meaning of a sentence. Quote, people say language is random, but language is almost, almost never random. You can't just stick that like in anywhere, says Ford. So for example, if I say, oh, look at that boy over there, he's wearing a top hat and he's like 10. That makes perfect sense. But if you say, how old is your brother? And I say, he's like 10. That's a little more unusual. If I said, my like grandma died, that'd be a very strange context to hear it. So there's patterns. There's ways to do it more gram- gram- grammatically, unquote. More than being uh, internally logical, it is, also a way, it is also a way of signaling. Quote, it helps with what we call focus. I'm showing you this is the, uh, this is the important part. This is the part that connects. It could be for interpersonal uh, connection. It's checking in that you and I are connecting. It's an incredibly useful part of speech. If it really uh, were meaningless and had no purpose in a sentence, it would be much easier for us to leave it out. Unquote. This is what I think when I listen to Radio 1 or watch vlogs by young women like the TikTok uh, star Emma Chamberlain or Billie Eilish, most of whom are heavy like users. They have this almost instinctual way of using language, not just to convey meaning, but to convey a moment around that meaning. It's almost like magic. <laughs> like comma magic. For as, although the debate around like can be fun, when it comes to teachers punching children for saying, word, uh, for saying the word, there are more serious impacts. Quote, There's nothing more uh, non-conducive uh, to learning and contrary to the purposes of education than constantly shutting kids down because of how they talk. If you want to teach a kid to practice having different language styles, that's fine. 
But to demean and criticise the way someone speaks in any situation is very, very harmful, harmful unquote. It's classist. Let's be, let's be honest with it. It's classist. That's what you're doing. Like, you, again, like, you can be uh, the smartest person in the room. You can be the smartest person, right? You could be a math whiz and still say and still speak, you know, like like like. You you can you can do that. You can do that. You could be a mathematician, you can be a scientist, and still say like. But they've made it a classist issue. That's what it is. You know, just 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 look at all the people we named during the you know, shitting shitting on it part of Charles Brandreth, Michael Gove, head teachers, bruv, come on. Let's let's stop with this. This is it's 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 classist. Anyway, let's um Let's finish this up with the last few paragraphs. So, if linguistic uh, linguists are largely agreed that uh, that like is, excuse me, at least in some contexts, no bad thing. Why does society still bristle at it? Catherine D. Kinsler, the author of How You Say It, a book about linguistic bias. There you go. Uh, which she argues is one of the most persistent prejudices in our society. Facts says that taking someone to task for the way they speak is one of the last so societally accepted ways to exercise exercise our prejudices. Quote, most people aren't even aware this is something they might do. For example, if you're interviewing candidates for a job, it's easy to think you're not being biased, racist or sexist, and you're just looking for a good communicator. But so many of our perceptions of who is a good communicator can be infused by other forms of biases that we're not aware of, unquote. Kinsler says that like is a good example of a word where young women are chastised for, uh, for talk, talking a certain way, even though that isn't born out, of, uh, out in the linguistic data. Quote, Young and female is often the group that is associated with a lot of these vocal features. Uh, but actually, you find lots of people in the population speak this way. It's a similar th uh, thing with up talk, ending your sentence by going up. Uh, I do, I do, I do not like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I said all that thing about class. I hate when these people do this. Without a deflection, it, it does jump me a little bit. Um, like, it, <laughs> like it's a question. Uh, it's also assumed that it's a valley girl way of uh, speaking when in fact occurs with lots of different groups. Unquote. In 2014, a mother wrote to uh, the advice columnist uh, in this magazine with a dilemma. Uh, my adult is clever, pretty, and confident. However, she cannot stop saying like about six times in every sentence. Dot, dot, dot. I know it's not the end of the world, but it makes her sound stupid and uneducated, which she most definitely is not. And when she wants to return to the real world, I uh, worry that this will be held against her. Unquote. I hope she wouldn't uh, take some. Hope she would take some comfort in knowing. The best linguistic studies today suggest people who say like may actually be more intelligent than those that don't. Uh, one published in the Journal of Language and Social uh, Social Psychology, which examined 263 con uh, conversational transcripts, found that conscientious people and those who are more thoughtful and aware of themselves and their surroundings are most likely to use discourse markers such as like. As Fort says, quote, I'm 55, I have a PhD, many people will consider that to be a sign of intelligence, and I'm a like user. So this judgy thing is natural, but it's really not helpful, unquote. And it isn't. It just isn't. It's classist. It's pointless to even um, rail against. Um, and, you know, you, there's there's plenty of things to lament about in life. I say you know a lot as well. Um, I, I don't think that's... I, I think I, I probably say that more than, like, um, in the annoying context that people think. Uh, I, always, I always say you know, so... Hey man, here's what it is, man. It, it just is what it is. You know, lingu ling uh, linguistics are your linguistics. It's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean you're low class. It really doesn't. It shouldn't mean you're low class. You can be intelligent as fuck and still talk like this. You know, <laughs> it'd be weird. You know, <laughs> it'd be it'd be it'd be it'd be a bit of a you know a weird thing to see. Just having 
you know, someone talk like this and like, you know, to just talk about that and while accepting a Pulitzer Prize, you know, I mean, it's just, it, you know, maybe it'll come one day, uh, but you know, as I say that, it's a classist barrier. I really, that's really all it is, it's a class barrier. I wanted to finish off on um, art and uh, you know just another kind of one of those um, affirmation type things uh, if you're a creative person in the this is more um, again uh, I did this a few episodes ago where I talked about a photography thing um, but it could easily be applied to all of art in some way um, uh, and this definitely applies if you're a creative person if you're always constantly creating things um, this is definitely up your alley um, just you know, something to something to affirm, something something to help affirm you. Um, so this is by um, Carl Agi or Agi, um, photographer and instructor uh, based in Northwest Arkansas. Um, this is uh, via Petapixels called "You Are Still a Photographer Even If No One Likes Your Images," and you know you're still a screenwriter if no one likes your scripts. You are still an art. You're still an artist if no one likes your paintings. All of that, all of that, all of that. So definitely apply it to apply this f- to yourself if you're a creative person. This doesn't um, strictly, uh, I think, uh, get put in the photography box. You can put this in the art box, the creative box, for sure. Let's jump right in. I think we've all been there after the culling, editing, and sweating over every detail. We post our latest masterpiece only to be greeted by three likes. One is uh, from our mother, the other two from our friends that know nothing about photography. It is demoralizing. It often brings up questions like, uh, uh, why am I doing this? Do I suck? Why the hell did that photo get of a cat get 1.3 million likes and I only got three? Uh, okay, maybe that last one is just me, but you get the point. I think that it would be reasonable to say that we cre- uh, we creatives live in a completely new paradigm. Social media has given every photographer a platform to shout from. You know, again, YouTuber, artist, you know, drawer, whatever. Again, you can apply this to everyone. Everyone creative. Um, social media has given every photographer a platform to shout from. And everyone has. Some say that the market is too saturated and there are too many voices. There are countless articles, YouTube videos, Skillshare courses, and in-person workshops dedicated to growing your photography business with enticing titles like five tips to growing your photography business. Uh, those have their place to be sure, but I think we as practitioners may have deviated a bit and have uh, flipped our priorities. Everyone at some point in their career needs a recalibration to bring them back a healthier yeah, bring them back to a healthier, happier, and more fulfilling place. Maybe that is you right now, if so. I would like to offer some encouragement and a few tips that have helped me. Record the love you once had. Think back to the moment that you fell in love with photography. Again, photography, art, drawing, whatever. Uh, anything grave. If you're old like me, you may have to settle for a moment that you love photography. But think back to what made you abandon reason and pursue this art form. Maybe it was you. Maybe it was a specific place or subject. Maybe you had suddenly had a mechanism to scratch that grave itch that was driving you nuts. Whatever the insight is, didn't think about how you felt. This may feel a little bit like a hippie loving, but there have been so many times when I have gotten tied up in the business and practice of photography that I totally lost the love of photography. The problem for me was that when I lost the love uh, of the art form, everything else suffered. I'm willing to bet that whatever thing uh, that has popped into your mind represents the moment of deep fulfillment. I think this is the key, uh, or the key thing that we have lost. We worry too much about the application of photography and too much often tie our worth as a photographer to do it. Did I make money? Did I get published? Do I have a gallery representation? Did anyone other than my mum like my image? 
Uh, money and fame are not inherently bad, but they can be toxic to the photographer's soul when put first. And again, that links to everything. So I have to do that with writing a lot. I really do. I have to do that constantly with writing. And I'm just trying to. I'm 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 writing it and I'm asking I'm asking myself why am I doing this? You know what I mean? I I, I ask, ask that question myself a lot as a writer, definitely not as much as a photographer because it's so fresh as to why I'm doing it and it's very. Um, it's very at the forefront of my mind. Um, but yeah, uh, when when it comes to when it comes to writing, it's it's there's a lot of I have to constantly remind myself why I'm doing it. <sighs> anyway, in 2011, Nicole offered advice for young photographers uh, from the Magnum Photo Cooperative, and two quotes served uh, have served as wise guidance over these past years. The original Ideas Tap article has since disappeared, but you can find on the Wayback Machine. All of these quotes have been inspiring to inspiring and helpful at one time or another, but there are two that stand out for this conversation. The first is from Christopher Anderson, quote, Forget about the profession of being a photographer. First, be a photographer, and maybe the profession will come after. Don't be in a rush to make pay uh, to make pay your rent with your camera. Jimi Hendrix didn't decide on the career of professional musician before he learned to play guitar. <clears throat> uh, no, he loved music and created something beautiful, and that then uh, became a profession. Larry Tower, for instance, was not a professional photographer until he was already a famous photographer. Make the pictures you feel compelled to make. And perhaps that will lead to a career. But if you try to make the career first, you will just make shitty pictures that you don't care about. Unquote. While I love everything about this, uh, there are two specific phrases I want to unpack here. One, being a photographer. When I was younger, my father was frequently ill. And while he was seeking treatment, my sister and I spent time with our maternal grandparents. My grandfather had a photography from his mother. And in an attempt to get me out of his hair, taught me. Uh, he would send me out into the woods of South Arkansas and tell me, not uh, quote, not everyone can paint a picture or make a sculpture, but everyone can take a picture. I can recall countless hours spent wandering the woods with a camera, completely immersed in the joy and exploration of discovery, just taking pictures. Gary Winogrand uh, once said, quote, I photograph to see what the world looks like photographed. <laughs> Love it. Uh, unquote. There is something magical about the camera. It gives us the opportunity to steal a small piece of reality and hold it for our own. Just about every photographer I've ever met has seen, uh, have been an explorer of heart. It has been an explorer at heart. I feel like I've minced words there. If your photograph with the, uh, with the measly three likes excites you, that is all that matters. And number two, pictures you feel compelled to make. This leads to the second phrase. Whatever it is that you, go, uh, that you love, go and photograph it. Not because it's trending or fizzy your understanding of what photographers do. Go photograph uh, what you can't not photograph. These things are the things that upset you to miss. Each image is your opportunity to capture the world for yourself and those to whom you choose to show it. Uh, uh, one of my favourite uh, Sig Harvey quotes is, quote, The camera is just an expensive pencil. What do you have to say? That's an amazing quote. Uh, don't worry about who does or doesn't love uh, what you have to say. Just say something. In the same article, Alex Webb says, quote, Photograph because you love doing it. Pho uh, uh, because you absolutely love to uh, have to do it. Uh, because this chief reward is going to be the process of doing it. Other rewards, recognition, financial, remuneration, come to so few and are so fleeting. And even if you are somewhat successful, there will be there will almost inevitably be stretches of time when you will be ignored, have little income, or often both. Certainly, there are many other easier ways to make a living in society. Take photography as on as a passion, not a career. Unquote. For our own sake, pursue the reward Webb alludes to. To uh, think back to the moment you fell in love with photography, the process of doing it is often the thing that ingrains the love of photography in our souls. It is important for our development that we are fulfilled by what we photograph. Uh, if we aren't, we 
If we aren't, we don't do it. And photography is a skill developed, not a skill inherent. What to do if your joy of photography is gone? If you are in a place where joy of photography is gone, do not panic. Uh, there are only two types of photographers, um, those who have lost a love and those who will. Uh, what matters is how we regain our love and our confidence. Here are a few actual things I have found help in my career. Number one, spend time reassessing what you want a photography. Be specific and set goals, set kind goals for yourself. Number two, find the subject matter that brings you most joy. Rocks or riots, it doesn't matter because it's, this is just for you. Number three, once you have found that thing that you love, create a small series of images and don't show it to anyone. It could be 10 images, the number doesn't matter because it's an exercise in working for passion, not for prominence. Number four, set time aside each week for, to photograph what you love. Some of you reading this might be working professionals. This is particularly important for you. Burnout happens when the camera does not bring any fulfillment into our lives. Number five, learn from the greats. Listen to podcasts, YouTube videos, read books, whatever inspires you. Creativity is a monster that must be fed. If you don't know where to start, watch Alex Soft's uh, photo book reviews. His talk on Eggleston's book, Democratic Forest, is really awesome. Number six, finally be kind to yourself. That does not mean lying to yourself, however. There is a difference between uh, being honest uh, and uh, about areas of growth and telling yourself that you are a failure. <laughs> be confident in your work because you love it. As try as this may sound, pursuing photography is an ever-moving goalpost. Whether through new subject matter, new equipment, or new understanding, we are all chasing the same goal, personal growth. Some photographers are further along in their journey than others. Time and talent determine how far along you are. Do not be discouraged by where you are right now. Just keep making the work you love. And honestly, man, honestly, as someone who, you know, um, pursues creativity in several ways, not just photography, like I said, in writing, and in some ways as podcasts as well. In some ways is is part of my creative itch, if you believe it or not. Um, and it's the same thing. Like, you know, I can, I can... I can suddenly just not enjoy doing what's good and need to remind myself why I did it in the first, why I'm doing it in the first place. And I haven't needed, I don't think I've needed to so far, which is good, but that's because I always have it in the forefront when I'm talking about a certain subject, when I'm talking, especially when it comes to a heavy subject, when I'm talking about a heavy subject, um, you know, I always, um, I, I always think that that's this is why I'm talking about this. This is why I'm doing this podcast because, regardless of who's listening, whether it's one, whether it's ten, whether it's thirty, hundred, hundred thousand people, doesn't matter, right? Doesn't matter how many people download my shit. Doesn't matter how many people listen to my shit. The reason why I do this is because, as a creative outlet, is because I enjoy learning. I enjoy reading things that enrich me. And hopefully it does the same to you. Um, and I don't. That's, that's, and I like. And I like putting things on to people. You know, you, you, you. I. I hope you come here. You know, to peep things that you may not have peeped in the past week. You know, the fact that I do this weekly, and you know, it's, you know, kind of current affairs. You know, I'm not always talking about the biggest story of the of the news in the week. I'm not. You know, but there's there's. You can go to many places for that. You don't need me to talk about that. Um, but then sometimes I may talk about it. Who knows? It, it's, it's up to me. I, I talk about what I feel like talking about. Um, and you know, if you guys fuck with it, you fuck with it. If you don't, you don't. It is what it is. I don't care. Um, I don't check analytics hard. I don't, I really don't. Um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop that site for the top, for my photography and I'm not gonna check analytics. I don't care. If you, people want to see it, they want to see it. If people fall onto it, they fall onto it. And if they love it, they love it. They don't, they don't. I don't care. It, creativity has always been my personal passion and my personal purpose um, because I want to 
explore these things. I want to explore screenwriting and I want to create stories that um, I would love to see. Uh, I don't create to a brief. <laughs> I don't create to what the vibe is, what the what the what the hot shit is. You know, there's been a I watched every everything ever all at once last week. I forgot to say I did. I did and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really loved it. It's really great. But I'm not going to create a multiverse film just because I watched a, gr- a decent multiverse film. You know what I mean? It doesn't doesn't entice me like that as a writer, right? I'd love to work on it. Give me, I'd love to script edit for it. Fine, yeah, that'd be great. But after that, you know, I don't want to creatively write it. I don't want to do that. Um, that that you have to be very invested for that. And um, you know, I do it in small. I do. I I have things that please me in small ways. You know, screenwriting it pleases me in the largest way because I spend weeks on it. I spend weeks on a, on one draft and you know developing it in my mind and staying up late nights to do it. I like that grind. I enjoy that grind. I do podcasts weekly and that feeds me in a very small dose way. You know, and photography does it in kind of the middle where you know I don't take photographs every day. Um, I take it. You know, if you. I take it out a few couple times a week, you know what I mean, and uh, whatever whatever I take, I take. Um, I'm actually going to try and experiment with recipes. I'm going to try that next. Um, next time there's a good day outside and not actually fucking raining. Um, I'm going to give that a go and see what the see what the vibes look like. I'm I'm really excited to do that. I'm really excited to take that next step and uh, you know get into some recipes and by why I mean recipes, I mean um, uh, ways of changing the camera um, to make it look a certain way. Um, most of the time they're recipes that uh, give off the look of old camera film, uh, depending on what film it is. So, you know, Kodachrome or, uh, you know, Fuji Color, you know, stuff like that. Um, so that's kind of what recipes are. And you can obviously manipulate your digital camera, in my case mirrorless, um, to um, to make it look like that. You can change the white balance. You can change the uh, the temperature you can change the you know film grain uh you know, stuff like that so um iso of course right so you can change a lot of things and make it look a certain a certain way and I, I can't wait to do that i can't wait to try that on my camera so you know what that's that's and you know like i said um you can take the word photography and put in that article and put it to anything creative anything and that's why you should do it you should do it for the love of it and um yeah, man. Just wanted to reaffirm that for you. If you are um, under that, uh, under, if you fall under that umbrella, I know I do certainly. Always, sometimes, not always, but sometimes, um, do need that. Um, do need that. Uh, that reminder of why I'm doing uh, some uh, some certain thing, especially screenwriting, because obviously, like I said, if it takes me eight weeks, you know, or ten weeks, that's going to be a lot of reminder myself why I'm doing this. You know, what I mean, don't stop and keep going. So, anyway, regardless of that. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Fifth End Podcast Network, I've been Charlie Taylor and it's been what's good. Interviews has been too much, by for now. You can find his naked full show notes. Thank you, Jill. Records will be used to track equals via their link full show notes. And thanks, Snappy. Hi. For the BT's charismatic community, you can find his link in the full show notes. And with that said, hope you all have a good week. I shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen.